As we've already said, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Um, we want to little, learn a little bit more about praying for the persecuted church. Be equipped to pray for brothers and sisters around the world that do suffer for the name of Jesus. We've invited a brother from Open Doors Canada, Brother Eric. He was uh, born in China, uh, raised in Japan, right? Became a Christian there and was educated in North America. So what does that mean, Brother Eric? I'm all mixed up by now. (laughs) I can identify you with you. But I pray that God will give you clarity this morning as you share the Word of God with us. Open Doors Canada is a a ministry that provides Bibles uh, to churches around the world where they don't have ready access to the Scriptures. Uh, They offer leadership training to uh, the persecuted church and serve, just serve the church in many, many different ways. And our brother here has planted churches in Canada and Taiwan, and he's been involved in leadership training in China. He now works in the Chinese-speaking world, seeking to uh, just uh, promote engagement with persecuted church, uh, Christians worldwide. And so we're very blessed to have him here, very grateful that you can be with us this morning. Can I pray for you? Yes. Yeah. So, Father, we thank you for our brother. And we do thank you that you drew him to yourself many years ago in Japan. Thank you for his journey with you. Thank you for your faithfulness in his life. Thank you for the way that you have shaped him, the way that you have uh, shared your heart with him. And I pray, Lord, that you would just free him by your spirit as he shares your heart, Jesus, with us for the persecuted church. May our ears be open, may our hearts be open, may we receive what you have for us, and may we all, Lord, commit to, to serve you for your glory. I pray your blessing on our brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Yeah. Good morning. It's such a special privilege to be here in such a vibrant, uh, strong uh, church. I started this journey last night. Uh, this is the fourth time I'm uh, preaching here. One more time to go. And uh, it's such a privilege that people keep coming, uh, one group after the other. Yeah. When you finish, there'll be a, a, a book table outside the foyer. There are many good books, but today I have two free books. This is uh, for children. Uh, our founder, Brad Andrews' uh, biography, he had a very special prayer as he went through those borders, uh, hiding many Bibles in his uh, uh, Volkswagen. He, this is how he prayed. Lord, you made blind eyes see. Jesus made blind eyes see while he was here. He said, please make seeing eyes blind. Meaning that those guards spent hours even taking apart engines to see anything was hidden. He had many Bibles in his car, but uh, miraculously, God did not see. God answered his prayer of blinding him. So this is for children, but adults also have a, a, a God smuggler in the book. Here's another very special book about North Korea. We cannot say enough about North Korea. We have a world watch list which ranks the severity of persecution throughout the world. You might say, why is this so important, your ranking severity? If you've been to uh, emergency uh, ward of hospital, they do not serve first come, first serve, right? 
I, I took a friend there all night waited, never saw the doctor because others were more serious than he was. I heard that uh, suicide line, they don't do uh, anymore a uh, first come, first listen. They try to identify the severity of the person by the tone of voice or the content, so they'll prioritize those who are more urgent. Same thing, as we identify with Christ in global mission, the, the country in which it costs the greatest to follow Jesus should be prayed for more because they're under pressure, under fire, like they're just thrown into a fiery furnace, like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We want to focus our prayer on behalf of those because God is using them to convert those hardened souls. So Korea has been number one for the past 14 years. It's an extremely difficult place to follow. Poverty and persecution. Not only becoming a Christian, but even owning one page of a Bible or a hand-copied page of a scripture can bring death to you. So read about it. This is free. Yeah, please register and receive. I'm so grateful for the invitation opened or received each year. This is about the five or six times we're able to come and share with you what the Lord is doing. And I know there are many Open Doors friends. I saw a lady receiving Open Door a prayer, a prayer request. So you are well familiar with the persecuted Christians. I just wanted to share what Jesus does in leading us to come alongside persecuted Christians. There is no country you cannot go this afternoon at 1.30 if you are willing. Without visa, without plane ticket, you can come alongside those people who are suffering. This is the verse God used to call Brother Andrew six, seven years ago from Revelation 3, verse 2. This is what it says. Wake up. Hmm. Brother Andrew, as a young person, was wakened by God. Strengthen them. Strengthen them what remains. It's been persecuted. It's been diminished. It's been uh, 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 what is it? shrinking, but still remains. And it's about to die. I went to Iraq. Church is shrinking from 300 to 200 to 100 to 60. What do you do when church is shrinking? Miracle happens. Because people are praying. And this is what became the main verse for the open doors for the past six years, 60 years. Wake up, strengthen then what remains and is about to die. And you can have a part in it, studying World Watch List, receiving prayer alerts by going on website and engaging. And I don't say this because we have something to benefit. Personally, I was with the Christian and Mission Alliance for 20 years under the leadership of A.B. Simpson. He's a Canadian leader, went to New York, leading a Presbyterian church. Church was flourishing, but when he saw the Italian immigrants coming to New York by the millions, the four million new immigrants came from Italy, which has only 16 million. So quarter of Italy was in New York, and he was busy evangelizing more than 100 believed. He talked to the elders' board. We have so many new immigrants coming to the Lord. Let's make room for them. And the church says, we don't have room for them. He left the church and started a movement called Christian and Mission Alliance. I was so thankful to be part of Christian and Mission Alliance for 20 years. Then the Lord opened the door for me to join Open Doors. 
and I've been with it for the last 20 years. There was a sister I met in China, her name is Angel. She said, I only pray for non-Christians. Yeah, Christians can grow up on their own. There's so many non-Christians, I don't have time to pray for Christians. I said, I understand. After listening to the uh, Open Doors presentation, he said, yeah, I am interested in seeing non-Christians become a Christian. So this is more the reason I should pray for Christians who are already in those uh, fields, strategic fields, because God placed them there. And as I pray for them, they can be stronger and more, more souls can be one. He told me last night, he wept all night because I was wrong, not praying for Christians, especially persecuted Christians. There was a sister in North Korea in a concentration camp. There are 400,000 Christians in North Korea. Uh, 25% are in prison. Concentration camp. The Lord prompted to her to give away her daily portion of rice. We don't understand because we don't have starvation. She said, Lord, it is more difficult to starve than to die. I don't think we understand where she's coming from. Every time somebody dies of starvation, they're so envious. Oh, this person no longer needs to starve, no longer needs to suffer. So she was uh, negotiating with the Holy Spirit to give away this right. It's more painful than dying. But eventually she obeyed. She gave the rice. In North Korea camp, it's called a holy rice. When Christians give up their rice to give it to another inmate. The inmate was so touched by such a generosity, this inmate became a Christian. Then the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to direct you witness now in concentration camp. She said, that's really crazy. Yeah. I'm near death every day. That is an extreme offense inside uh, a concentration camp. Holy Spirit says, I'm going to direct you who to talk to and when to talk to. So she obeyed. The heart was ready. In quiet evangelism, they came to know the Lord. So she started a Bible study in North Korea, concentration camp in the toilet. Because people have not given up and because people pray. You can enter North Korean concentration camp. 1.30 1, p.m. today, as you church meet together, or as you engage with those persecuted Christians. It is a privilege, like the Macedonian church said. It's a special privilege we can come alongside. There's no limitation where you want to go. In China, we call these people missional prayer warriors. Every day they travel. And every day we feed into them the new uh, prayer alert. I've been with uh, Open Door for 20 years. Although we serve other nations, I'm the greatest uh, beneficiary coming alongside. Paul said in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers. This describes the body of Christ. And Jesus talking to Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you are hunting down. Paul, Saul was in for the final kill, climaxing his killing of those Christians. And Jesus stopped 
He said, you are persecuting me. Whether in Iraq, Syria, or Egypt, or even North Korea, pain is felt by Jesus. He just wants to share. I was in Colombia talking to a pastor. He truly looked exhausted. He said, three years I'll be running. I, I have no more strength to run. Yeah. In Colombia, those rebels go to church and seek out pastors and solicit their support. If they do, they end up supporting the guerrilla. If they don't, they'll be massacred. So no, no good choice for them. His father was killed. His uncle was killed. He was running. And he said, after three years running, I have no more strength to run. I'm thinking to myself as I'm talking to him, as he ran through the bush, every mile, Jesus ran with him. Every time he stumbled over a tree trunk, Jesus stumbled over with him. Remember, Jesus, under the weight of cross, stumbling over, looking for somebody to share the weight. Disciples were nowhere to be seen. Today, Jesus is inviting us again to share the load. I'll talk more about the partnership, but first about pain. Pain is something very important. When there is pain, there is action. Where is pain, there is love. Where is pain, there is closeness. When somebody is in suffering, people stop what they're doing, come together. Pain is our friend, especially understanding Jesus, and especially getting involved with mission. I got to know a sister in northeast China. She said, I'm born in China, but I was born to pray for North Korea. We call her Sister D. She prays for North Korea every day. She owns a house. It's a prayer house. Every morning at 5 a.m., van arrives with 8 to 12 people, and this another shift starts. This group of people arrive in van, stay there for 24 hours. They divide themselves into small groups, and each group engages for three hours of prayer for North Korea. And after three hours, they take a recess, singing, praying, or sometimes resting, go on for 24 hours, go on for 365 days a year. So I said, Sister D, what does it feel like when you pray for North Korea every day? She says, I'm a Chinese born in Danton, that's the city she comes from, but I was meant to pray for North Korea every day. They can see North Korea across the river every day. And what does it feel like when you pray for North Korea? She says, when I pray for China, I have a burden. But when I pray for North Korea, I feel like I have a daughter in North Korea. Prayer changes us. Prayer transforms us. And once we engage, we never forget. She's a North Korean living in China. Born as a Chinese, but she's a missional prayer warrior, fully engaged with North Korea. She said, I wanted to change North Korea through prayer. But little did she know that the North Korea is going to come into her town by the thousands. There are at least 5,000 North Koreans in her town. She said, I have no idea because I know I couldn't go there. But they're coming. Many are women. They're starving. Some are married. They go to China to be married to Chinese farmers. 
and they survive. They settle. They accomplish their purpose. But then they hear the gospel. Then they become Christians. And they identify with the pain of their family member back in North Korea. So they start to think, shall I go back? To leave a country is punished by death. To become a Christian is punished by death. If you go back, try to evangelize, the three death sentences. And many go back. And many arrest them. Many have gone through with the Lord. These new North Korea missionaries I call pain, partnership, and power. Miracle happened in this concentration camp because they empty themselves. We talked about pain, how the Lord shared his pain. The two missionaries from Australia went to China, and during the Boxers' Rebellion, both were beheaded. Mother, being Australia, was crying during the memorial service. I was trying to comfort her. It's okay. Your daughters went to be with the Lord. It's okay. They're in eternal glory. Mother said, I'm not crying because my two daughters were killed. I'm crying because I don't have a third daughter. There is a greater pain than loss of a life that is unable to participate in eternal salvation a campaign, being Christ's partner. Not having the third daughter, the mother became the third missionary. Between three of them, they spent six years in China and became martyrs for Christ. Paul talks about this partnership in a very interesting verse in Colossians 1.24. On the surface, it's hard to understand, but uh, let's try to understand what Paul is saying. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He's talking to Colossian believers. I rejoice in what I, I am suffering for you. Paul suffered, they became Christians. He was very, very happy for that. And he goes on to say, not only I suffer and you became Christian. This is what Paul says. I fill up, I make up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ. This is very hard to understand. Because Paul is saying something lacking in Jesus' suffering. I talked to a pastor in China who's been to prison many years. He said, please explain to me. Oh, it's, it's not difficult. Paul is trying to identify with Christ. Christ suffered, Paul suffered, but not like Christ. So Paul wants to suffer more to understand the suffering of Jesus. I said, I can appreciate how you interpret, but this verse doesn't say Paul is lacking. This verse says Jesus is lacking. He said, Paul is making up what's lacking in Jesus' affliction. What does he mean? The same word, make up, is also used in Philippians 2.30. That is the easier portion to understand what he means here. When the same word only appears, appear twice, we can borrow from each other. Philippians 2.30 talks about Paul in Roman prison and Philippi church, Philippian church gathering some donations and they want to give it to Paul but they need to find somebody who is willing to bring from Philippi 
to Rome. It's not like today you can transfer in bank. Somebody has to take the money, get to Rome, find Paul, and hand it to him. What's the risk? If you identify with Paul so closely, you may face the same predicament. That is why Jesus' disciples fled when Jesus was arrested, because they're assuming they will end up hanging on the cross. So to go there, you need to take a risk. And this is what the Bible tells us about this person. His name is Epaphroditus. Philippians 2, verse 30. Epaphroditus risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Philippian church gathered money, but they could not deliver. So Epaphroditus volunteered to risk his life to transport money from Philippi to Rome. Same word is here talking about fill up what is lacking in Jesus' affliction. Jesus died on the cross. He completed salvation totally. He said, it is finished. However, there's unfinished task. The world is not saved yet. The world needs to hear about Jesus' love. Not only hear, the world needs to see that Jesus really loved them. That's where ISIS beheading comes into the picture. Last year, there were more than 7,000 Christians died for Christ. Not only because they believed in Christ, but they believed in Christ at all costs. Those ISIS need to see somebody who not only kill, but be killed for love. For generations, they've seen killing, killing, killing. That's why they're so ready to kill. They are ready to kill, but they are not ready to be loved with their own life. When these Christians are being beheaded, they look straight into the eyes of this ISIS, and they'll tell them, you are not killing me. I'm offering my life to Jesus as his partner. I'm making up what's lacking in the affliction of Christ. I'm giving my life to Jesus so one day you and I together can worship our Savior. There are 7,000 of them. Muslim would rather have them convert to be a Christian, uh, to be a Muslim, rather than behead them. They'll score much higher points in doing that. But after persuasion, threats, they realize this Christian is not going to change his mind. To convert a Muslim who became a Christian back to Muslim only takes 10 seconds. All you need to do is, Allah is true God. Only God. Muhammad is true prophet. Then you're free. They'll say, congratulations, you saved your neck. We're not going to bother you anymore. They don't care how you believe. They don't care what you do, as long as you declare. And there are 7,000 Christians last year who would not even give 10 seconds of their life to the enemy because they know Christ spared nothing. Those who were totally grateful for the grace of Jesus would dare risk their lives to tell others the precious news. Because without Christ, ISIS go to hell. With Christ, the other Christians go to heaven. I was preaching like this in Taiwan. The senior pastor said, Eric made me think, if Christians 
do not witness, we can be more cruel than ISIS. ISIS sent Christians to heaven, but by being silent, we send them to hell. I think he was right. I think he got the point. Jesus inviting us to share his pain, Jesus inviting us to share the partnership, and Jesus show us his power as we do so. There are many stories to share. Let me allow, allow me to just share a few. I just returned from Iraq with six pastors from China. We thank the Lord. Chinese leaders are no longer recipients, but they want to participate in global mission. We spent six days. We couldn't find anything which we could do. We were very eager to help, but there was nothing we could do. Christ himself is, is uh, conducting revival. Yeah. Those pastors told us, says, Eric, you might not believe what we're going to tell you, but we are so thankful for ISIS. For 2,000 years, we struggled for church union, unity. Yeah. Two days, ISIS accomplished. About 35 churches meeting one building. We have to get along. Church is united. Christians didn't used to study Bible so faithfully. 50% don't have a habit of reading Bible or praying every day. But ISIS came, they're driven to Scripture, opened or distributed Bible in the uh, 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 refugee camp. With more hand on their hand, with a new scripture, they start to read and pray. Christians are more eager. And thirdly, Muslim coming to know the Lord. We are not allowed to evangelize outside the building, but we don't have to worry. They're breaking down the doors every Sunday, filling up the church, seeing the extreme behavior. They're rethinking about their faith. And missionary work is vibrant, going everywhere. God is greatest harvest of the era. Muslims coming to the Lord, seeing visions, being healed, many miracles happening. So, in the darkest hour, most difficult time, Christ at work. This is our invitation to share in his pain, to be partnership with him, and through our weaknesses, weakest area, experience his power. I talked to a Bible society manager. He said, two million Christians left Iraq. I have nobody to sell my books. I was going to close down Baghdad book room. Then, during the prayer, God talked to me, sell Christian books to Muslims. I said, God, you must be kidding. Yeah. How can Muslims buy Christian books? He said, don't worry. Rent a booth in a book fair. He dare not go to Muslim book fair because they, if you proceed to evangelizing, you'll be executed. With fear and trembling, he applied. He got approval. He rented a booth. So he shipped some books and standing there. He was so amazed. People welcomed him. Then later on he told me, Christians are trusted. When there's an argument, they always ask Christians, who's right? Tell us, who's right? Because they know, they, know, they know Christians don't tell lies. So they welcomed him. They made many friends. And the 11-day uh, display, third day the manager came, he was very nervous. He said, you know, you're giving out Bibles, you're evangelizing, it's illegal. Yeah, you'll be killed. He said, sir, with all due respect, I'm not evangelizing. I'm just standing here, people come to buy my books. Said, really? Yes. I only sell them books, even Bibles. Yeah. Why do they buy your Bibles? I asked them, they said, we want to know what you're studying. But, you know, you, you put the Bible like this, it's like, just like uh, you know, evangelization, where I feel nervous. So he prayed about it. He said, okay, what about if I put the Bible like this? Yeah. Then I'm not advertising. They cannot stay until they come in. 
So reluctantly, the manager agreed. And they stayed for 11 days. Three shipments of all Christian books, all sold. So now he's going to every major book fair in Baghdad. And then he said, I have never dreamed of such a thing. In his weakest time, he saw God's power. We're going to close in prayer by pastor, but I just wanted to invite you to engage. Any group is fine. A group who represents persecuted Christians. I've been with Open Door for 20 years. It's been an extreme blessing for me to get to know them. We not only have a privilege to pray, their lives impact us. Their lives changes us. And their lives draw us closer to Christ. So this is why six years ago, God used Brad Andrew to start his mission. Please bow your head. And after prayer, please visit our, our book table in the foyer. Pastor the raise and come and close in prayer. Thank you, Brother Eric, for sharing the heart of Jesus with us. Father, we thank you for drawing us to you by your Spirit. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, I pray that we would be reminded today, we have been reminded of how precious this is. I pray that we would be a church that communes with you, that knows your heart. Lord, may we be willing to have you share your heart of pain with us for our brothers and sisters in this church, greater Vancouver, around the world. May we commit ourselves to partner with you, Jesus, to pray, to remember, to help in every way that you ask us to help. Thank you that you're present to empower us by your spirit. Thank you that you're present in the lives of our brothers and sisters around the world and you are working in ways beyond anything that we could imagine. To think that a brother would be thankful for ISIS because he sees what is happening in the life of the church today. And so we thank you, God, that you are at work, that you are accomplishing your purposes. Thank you for your calling on this church. May we live for your glory and your glory alone. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.